Welcome to the PCS to Corporate America podcast from Cameron Brooks. Our mission here at Cameron Brooks is to help educate junior military officers about their transition options and to inspire veterans to transform their lives and their careers. Okay, welcome everybody. This is a special edition of the Cameron Brooks podcast. This is the 2023 year end. And so uh, you can see I'm joined by my colleague, Joel Junker. And um, the way that we're going to do it today, usually one of us interviews someone else. And so I may chime in a little bit, but I'll probably do more interviewing of Joel than anything as we uh, as we kick around some ideas. I sent out an email. Obviously, there's there's a number of you on here. So we're going to do a, a Q&A at the end. Some of you have sent in a couple of questions, which, which we're definitely going to cover. But the things we're going to talk about tonight is we're going to start out and we're going to talk big picture. We're going to talk about what does a successful transition actually look like and we'll talk about some of the things that we've seen and are seeing in 2023 want to definitely talk about the state of the economy and what happened in 2023 what we feel like 2024 shaping up to be and then things that we saw a lot in 2003 we saw a lot of conversation and dialogue about skill bridge or the csp for the army so definitely want to talk through that a little bit as well as certifications. That's a topic that tends to come up in many of the conversations that we have here at Kimberbrook. So definitely want to address that as well. And so, um, and then at the end, we'll do a Q&A. So if you have questions for us, you already know you have questions for us, go ahead and type them into the Q&A section on Zoom. And then toward the end of the call, I will moderate that and we'll uh, we'll field all of your questions. So uh, Joel, welcome. Fat, welcome to Hello. our podcast. <laughs> Yeah, happy holidays, everybody. I want to thank all the people that are here to listen in, and and we aim to make this really productive and a good use of your time. Excellent, thank you. So let's let's just start. Let's start at the top. And so, you know, and I you I get to hear you, and you're talking to officers regularly. You probably hear me. We talk a lot about defining a successful transition. Start there, if you would. Like help help us hear from you, like what's a successful transition look like? Well, I'm going to back up for just a second. And, and why are we talking about that? Because, and why are we doing this podcast? As you, is for you all that go into the end of the year and you start thinking about next year, and many of you on here, your transition is probably next year. You have a, it's a big year in front of you. And in many ways, we do the same thing here at Cameron Brooks. We're wrapping up our year ends on Friday and we're reflecting back on the year and we're looking forward to the next year. We're going to have a break in between, but we're already talking about that. And, and I would like you to do, I think you should really do the same too. I'd encourage you the same is for Cameron Brooks, we're looking at is what is it that what, what we do, what is our purpose and, and why is that? And how do we measure that we're meeting our purpose? So we don't even talk about here numbers as much as, Hey, are we meeting what we say the objective is? And our objective at Cameron Brooks, and this is why I would share this for you, this is important, is that we want you to make a successful transition. And I know like the if you took like, if you, those of you have heard of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs before, you know, like the baseline, like I need a job, I need to get paid, I need to have a roof over my head, I need to put food on the table. Yes, we got that. And, and, and we're, we're going after way more than that on this successful transition that we talk a lot about. What is that? That successful transition, what we're after with you all is that you leave this island, if you will, or one side of the river of the military, which is the military, and you transition across 
into the business world and get firmly footed on that land. And it doesn't happen. And for none of you here, it'll happen in 2024. It might start in 2024. It probably is already starting with preparation and reading. Your conference might be in 2024. You might actually, you know, get out in 2024, land a new career. But the transition takes time to, to establish yourself on the other side. What does establish yourself mean? It means that you have now have a great track record of success. You have a lot of really good accomplishments, really good accomplishments that show that you can perform at a high level in a new environment. We already know if you're on here that we already know that you can do that in the military, but now you can do it. You can leverage that skill set and do it in the business world. And you do it over time. You do it over time, three, four years. When you've done that, you have made the transition. That is what we're after at Cameron Brooks. Sure, yes, we want you to get a great job, but we're really trying to get you to launch a career which takes the successful transition. And, and that's what Pete's asking me, like, okay, what do we mean by that? And why am I talking about that? Because we're looking at Cameron Brooks, how did we do this year? And yes, we had fewer candidates come to the conference this year because the economy was tighter. So we had to be a little bit more selective on who we could work with and make sure we brought the best prepared, the people that had the right strategy. So we, but we didn't measure that. Did we measure, did we help people launch successful transitions? And I think to do this, this dovetails Pete in, in the audience here, it takes three things, three characteristics to really support the foundation of a successful transition. Number one, you're using your skills. You're using your skills that you developed as a junior officer. And this is going to come back to we talk about skill bridge and internships in just a minute, because these skill bridge and internships, the vast majority of them, the program were designed for veterans. For veterans. And yes, you're a veteran. Well, Joe, that's me. I'm a veteran. Yes. But a junior military officer is probably the most unique subset of all veterans in terms of you got this long trajectory of a career for promotions and development in front of you. So you want to use in roles and organizations where you're using your skill set. Number two, you want it to hold your attention. You want to be interested in it. it doesn't necessarily have to be a passion yet, but you want to be interested. You've got to enjoy the work. And third, you want to be able to find people in culture that you match with. That's what we want you to start with. The challenge, the challenge, I think for you, Pete, for me, when we were getting out, for Brock, those are JMO team members here that made the, the jump out of the military and everybody here. The challenge is that you have some knowledge of business. I majored in business, but I didn't have that much knowledge. So we don't really know what's out there. We don't have full knowledge of what's out there. And we don't know what all the, many of the options are. And it's hard to navigate the hiring process, the filters, the conversations. And I think it's even harder when you're talking about, I want roles that are going to invest in me where I can grow and develop to higher levels of leadership responsibility. And I want to get on board companies that are going to really get me. It's also hard to define those, like I said, and navigate that. But that's hard if you do get into the interviews for these jobs because they're high-complexity jobs. These The jobs, I would say, since I started in 1999, 
the complexity of the jobs have five axed in terms of the complexity. And I think when Roger Cameron hired me in 1999, they had five axed since he had started the industry in the in the in the 70s. I mean, what we asked, like just a manufacturing team leaders to do like Lean Six Sigma, to use data to make decisions, to make finance, to run budgets and lead the team. They weren't asking people like to do all those things back in 1999. Sales representatives, they're managing projects. Every sale is like a project now. And you get involved in contracts and things like that. The jobs have just become more complex. So the interview process has become more challenging. And when you interview, and Pete, you know this, because I'm really talking to the audience, you're speaking a foreign language. You got to speak a foreign language. Yes, you're going to have to use English. Yes, I get that. But you're going to be talking the language of business in that specific business. And you have to take what you've done to translate it. That is not easy. And you know what? It shouldn't be that hard to find the opportunities that hold your attention, that you're interested in, or that you're going to use your abilities and work with and get with good people and get through the interview process. For as talented as you all are, it shouldn't be that hard. But when you make up less than 1% of the working population of the United States, the system is not necessarily designed for that. Now, there's a lot of veteran programs that make it a lot easier. But I'm talking about less than 1% of the working population, you as a junior military officer. So a lot of times people say, well, Cameron Brooks, what do you do? All we focus on is a junior military officer. Very unique niche subset. So what do we do? This is, you know, and we've really refined that this year to explain what we do to people. And again, and I'm sort of talking to Pete because he answered the, asked the question, but I'm talking to the audience. Number one, we provide a plan and guide, a guide. The company's a guide for you. Cameron Brooks is for the junior officer. We give you a plan and we're a guide. Pete's your guide. I'm your guide. Brock's your guide. And between Pete and me, we've been doing this for uh, 36 years. Brock, Brock gives us 36 years in three months. So thanks, oh. Brock. Yeah. So Brock, thanks for the exclamation point there. And Brock is a, is good at teaching interviewing. But And then Chuck, our CEO, has been doing this for 30 years. So you get a team of guys. And we have a whole bunch of other teams. So we give you a plan and we get guides. And a guide walks next to you, mm -hmm. behind you, not in front of you, pulling you. We're a guide that walks beside you. Second, and this is my favorite thing to do besides guiding you, is helping you build your brand. Interviewed so that you go to an interview schedule that's competitive and you become one of the top candidates on it. And you have a great resume. And this is why you're, if you're here, maybe some of you are not in the Cameron Rooks program, but if you're here and you've got six, eight months before you transition, great. Build your brand. Because the other thing we want you to do is take what you're learning and go out and do some things with what you're learning in the military to get better and more and improve bullets on your resume that relate to business. And we're going to create a great resume that you can talk to in an interview. And our program is going to do that. The third step in this success is, is evaluate the options, compare options. I like them to like, best way I can think about it is when I took my, my tool as daughters to look at colleges. Everybody has a perception of what they wanted to do for college. So we looked at this small school. We looked at this big school. We looked at this private school. We looked at this big public school. And as they were looking at the different colleges, they started like, well, I thought I wanted a small private school like the high school I went, but I want a big state university now. 
And I'm thinking I want to major in engineering now and not business. That's the value of comparing your options and looking at a lot of different things. And that's what third step is. So to put an exclamation point, turn it back over to you, three things, right? You get a plan and you get a guide. One of the things, this is a separate, one of the things that you said is it shouldn't be that hard. And, and you talked about the filters, uh, you talked about doing a career search, and maybe this kind of starts to bleed into the economy a little bit. Like you said, military officers make up one, veterans make up less than 1% of the, or military officers make less than 1% of the working population. Why is it so hard? Can you, can you, as maybe as you walk into economy and what we saw in 2003, and, and maybe it's a little bit harder this year than it was in previous years in 2021, maybe a little less harder because of where the economy was 2022. Why is it that hard? I think first and foremost, there's a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of options, which again, I think is a pot in one hand is a positive because there's a lot of groups, a lot of people, a lot of programs that are trying to help veterans get out there. And we even saw that in the most recent uh, uh, LinkedIn veteran opportunity report, a lot of the numbers improved in terms of like, uh, satisfaction and things like that. So there's a lot of noise. So it's hard to navigate the noise. Um, second, I think the second thing that makes it hard um, is how do you know, right? How do you know? How do you know what's right for you? And we hear from a lot of stories because we don't, of course, don't have the market cornered. People that really evaluate one option often wonder, they get, in, they get disenfranchised pretty quickly because they didn't compare it to anything else. They didn't really know what else is out there. And we were talking about this the other day. This isn't the, necessarily the economy, but we had uh, twins in our program, um, twin female, both engineers from the Naval Academy. Um, one came through with her spouse, launched a great career at Boston Scientific in Minneapolis. The other one dropped from the conference a month before the conference. And I asked Marquette, who came through, I said, how's your sister doing? She says, she's just she's not happy. She's not the culture that she was wanted. It wasn't this that she wanted. And I really think that it's not because um, it may not have been, it might've been a good opportunity, but she, how do you know, unless you go look at a couple of things, I always get concerned when somebody has really only evaluated one option. How do they know? How do they really know? And this comes back to the economy. Yeah, that's really it. Because when, you know, once the, and we, I know we like to say that, but when the honeymoon is over and things get hard, right? Work is work. So things get hard. It's that's where the questions start to creep in. And because there was no comparison of other options to give confidence that, hey, I, when the going gets tough, this I made this decision for a reason and I'm sticking with it. That's the hard part. And you could you could speak to Ethicon, Pete. I can definitely speak to Cameron Brooks. Brock can't speak to it yet. But Brock in three years, Brock, for the you guys that don't know, Brock's our new hire in three years, four years, I guarantee this is going to happen. You're going you're gonna to be like, I'm banging my head up against the wall. Or even one year in, I'm banging my head. I'm, I am grinding. Because it, 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 it's not all perfect all the way through. I've been here for 25 years this, this, uh, this summer. It, I'm not going to tell you that I always get suspect when somebody, oh, I went to this career and I've never felt like I worked a day in my life. I was like, well... Wonderful because what I is feel that? Like, yeah, it's like I there's I feel like I work a day every week what? actually. Um, but you're gonna be there's gonna be periods where you did it. I did it when I came to Cameron Brooks, and I was like, did I make the right decision? And I think one of the reasons I stuck 
is because I interviewed and had was able to look at, okay, I looked at project management at telecommunications. I looked at distribution and logistics at consumer products. I had a sales role at Johnson & Johnson. I saw a variety. No, this is what I want to do. And here's why. This is, I'm, I'm grinding right now. This is rough. But the, 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 I looked at that. Not just, just, I mean, I really evaluated that. And there is an enormous benefit. And our companies value that. I mean, our companies don't love having to compete on one hand. They want to snap everybody up. But they value that you come in and you're looking at a variety of things to be able to make a good decision. They get that. A lot of times people, are, you know, they look at location, they look at money. But what you're describing, or at least some of what you're describing, is looking at culture, looking at chemistry, looking at opportunity, looking at the, like you said earlier, the people that you're going to work with. I mean, those are the things long-term, like you, you mentioned Marquette's sister, you remember when she let us, let us know it was amical. She walked, walked away and it was friendly, but it was like, Hey, perfect opportunity, perfect location aligned with what I'm already doing in the Navy. It's like, okay, what do you say? And here she is a couple couple years later or a year later, whatever it is. Looking to make a move already. Making a move. If we can go back to the to the economy to um what did we experience in 2023? Um this I've been in lots of difficult markets in my 25 years. September 11th, 2001, and the tech recession after that, the housing bust. 2008, 2009. Dot com. Um, COVID, of course, in this one. So there's probably one more in there. But those dot are the com, ones. right? Weren't you around the dot com? Yeah, it's really September 11th, tech rec after that. It's really around 2003. Mm -hmm. 2001 time frame. And, and uh, maybe that was just, uh, maybe I just forgot about that or something. I don't know. <laughs> maybe I wanted to forget about it. But, um, the thing that made this year's economy harder is how fast it changed. We 2001 and 2022, I mean, it was pretty frothy. Lots well, of companies for the first time ever, companies were lining up to come to the conference and we were putting companies on a waiting list. That's yeah. A good way to There's think about it. opportunities there. So it, the companies went, it was back to a more of a normal market and the bar went. If you talk about where the bar went relative to where it was, it went way up, back to normal, but the, how fast it rose and when it did. And when I've been here at Cameron Brooks, sometimes it takes the junior officers, the uh, candidates time to adjust to that bar. And I would say to you that are thinking about 2024, expect a high bar in 2024. And there's a, there's actually some positives to that, that. So do I expect to go back to 12 to 13 interviews in 2024? Probably not, but I also tell people all the time when they think they ask me which way the economy is going, it's like, I don't know. And anybody that tells you it does, they're lying because like you just don't know. Things can shift. But I don't expect it to bounce back that fast. But we ended the year with an average of around 10. You could still do a great career search with 10 interviews. So but you don't have as much time to ramp up on interviewing. You can't lose three or four interviews to get better at it. Um, you got to convert better. The companies are going to be more selective. And so this is why you, you hear Joel Junker, Pete Van Epps, and, 
and Brock talk about read, read. This isn't for us. It's your guide. We want you to read so you can talk business. Get into study groups. Get your answers done. Start early on your pre preparation. Don't procrastinate. The bar will be high in 2024. Maybe the average number of interviews go up, but I promise you the bar is going to go up or it's going to stay where it was. The next thing a part of the economy is, listen, I think there's like this trifecta, which everybody looks for, or maybe it's a four thing. Great job, great company, great location, great money. Yeah, that's that's all. I think that's what everybody wants. It's great. It's 10 on 10 scale on everything. When we're young, I said we, because I would transition out when I was young. Sometimes you have to put some something to the side, just like you invest when you're young and it pays dividends when you're older. Sometimes you have to put something to the side. I would encourage you not to put aside if you're ambitious roles that fit your skill set, culture, quality of the company. I wouldn't, in your interest, I wouldn't put that to the side. Because there's a book called The Five Patterns of Extraordinary Careers, written by the founder and uh, of uh, um, Spencer Stewart, which is the first executive search firm and a client of Cameron Brooks. They say money and other extrinsic things will follow. This last week, I did a, a webinar. We talked about Marquette for three of our engineers um, that have made transitions over the last five years. Talk about engineering roles in corporate America. Chaz started in California. He is now in his ideal location with the same company in Ohio. Marquette and Luke, couple, went to Minnesota. Hey, we're going to start there. We see what happens. They love it. And I'm not, I, I'm from Minnesota. I can say, yeah, I think you should give it a try. They love it. Hey, perfect place for us to raise our family. They've, they've learned to love it. Chaz navigated to the ideal. I don't want to spend a lot of time on location because everybody knows that Kim Rooks would keep hammering at home. I'm just talking about the things that really matter early. Get those right. I promise you, if you do that, opportunities will avail themselves to you. And I got one more thing. I was talking to a young lady that took a job in, in, in the Northeast and not didn't want to go there, but this is where the opportunity was. Navigated to the ideal career within the company. So went from engineering into marketing and is now in a position after doing three years and doing it really well to go to her boss in her annual review to say, hey, I'm traveling so much. Do you think I could just do this remotely? You'll have that. You don't get to do that in the military. You would never do that in the military. But you can do those things. So in this economy, get the, get the things that really matter right to make that successful transition, which is the theme of the webinar. Talk a little bit about SkillBridge. Uh, one fact that I didn't know, and you may have already known this, Joel, did you know that SkillBridge has been around since 2011? It was no, a, no idea. It was a pilot program for technical people to go out and do very technical things, mostly enlisted. But as you and I both know, 
We're, uh, we, of course, we're a, a DOD approved skill bridge provider. We've had that since 2002. 2022. 20, 2022. Yeah. Yeah. Not 2022. Say 2002. No, it's at, yeah. 2011. Right. Uh, sorry. Uh, and it's exploded this year. Every, maybe not every, almost every single officer I talk to is asked about skill bridge, whether we do it or whether they should do it or everyone just knows about it. And that wasn't the case two or three years ago. Yeah. I'd probably look to the people that are listening here. Like what, what, what changed? What um, changed? Yeah. I know. I do think that there's a lot of in the transition offices, they're talking about it and things like that. And listen, I, first of all, I want to come back. I'm not negative about skill bridge at right. all. I think if my, um, my brother was, a he was getting out as an E7 or as an E5, I'd be telling him, go look at a skill bridge program for an internship. Absolutely. Go look at that. I think for the military officers, for many of you, you're so darn busy. What a gift to give you 30, 60 or 90 days to allow you to focus on that. But what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? I have some reservations from what I have heard. Now, this is going to sound self-serving. I get this of some of the internship programs for several reasons. Number one, some of the internship programs, I said, well, who else are they looking at? Who else can be internships with? I'll be with a, a colonel. And so I'll be really like stepping up. It's like, I don't think you doing an internship with colonels or 05s and 06s is actually a good thing. I think that's very different. Their runway is very different than your runway. That shows to me you're probably getting dumped into a veteran program versus a program specifically tailored to junior officers. Or talk to one gentleman that was going to work for an engineering uh, company in Chicago. He's like, I want to be in Chicago, get these internships in Chicago. And I said, well, if they hire you, what are they going to be offering you? I just happen to have a daughter that does uh, environmental civil engineering type of work that just graduated from college. And the salary he quoted me that he, they would be giving him at the end is the exact salary, my daughter that just graduated from college. That scares me. And this is, and again, I'm just going to lay on my, lean on my 25 years of experience here. I've seen a lot of programs that, that people have created for veterans. They model it after the college graduate, which I think makes sense in some ways. I just don't think it, it always makes sense. And listen to my word, always makes sense for a high potential junior officer. I like the pro I like what we're able to do here at Cameron Brooks to give you time to work on interviewing, reading, resume, so that when you walk into an interview, you are confident. Versus going into an internship that could be for a lot of different people, or this has also happened where you get to the end, you really only evaluated one option. And like a little disenfranchised with it. Okay, but it's good enough. It's good enough. I'm just going to take it and I'm going to look for something else. Ouch. Ouch. That's con so counter to the successful transition. Or I'm not going to take it. Well, what are you going to do? I'm going to move back home and look locally. Now I've just narrowed my options. So I think that, and I'm certain, I'm, I'm sure there's some programs that are doing um, an internship well. But I think in general, when you take a program and you make it for veterans, 
And I think you take the group that has the most potential for the next career as a leader in the business world, you end up doing a disservice to them. That So that's my, my thought on the, the program. Great. I'm glad we have something like this. And I think we all are for something for veterans. In fact, we recruited for a role for a company that where they were going to start up the SkillBridge program for the company. And I was like, this is going to be amazing. What a great job to go into. And what a great thing the company's going to do. But they were going to hire mostly enlisted and technicians. And I was like, yeah, that's excellent that there's a path for these people. But I don't think there are all these programs are necessarily created equal. Um, and Cameron Brooks is going to continue to work hard to maintain our program, to keep it a um, in good standing with the, the Department of Defense. But that's a little bit of my, what I've been experiencing and hearing lately. And some of my concerns or reservations about the, what I think is a great, I think overall, just a great, great idea and is being improved upon. So if you if you're on the call here and you have a, you did, if first of all if you didn't know that Cameron Brooks is a SkillBridge provider, we've been a SkillBridge provider since 2022, and we do 90-day skill bridges, which allow you, as Joel said, to put the finishing touches on preparing to interview, continuing to read and increase your knowledge, finish your resume, do some more career field research. There's also an advantage to the skill bridge because most of the people that do the skill bridge are on the skill bridge during the conference and the follow-up interview process. So what that allows you to do is really have um, a very clear schedule. So the conference is virtual, starts on a Friday, goes all the way to Tuesday, and it's very much an all-hands-on-deck Friday night, but then Saturday through Tuesday, 8 to 5. And then the follow-up interview process, some of it will be virtual, some of it will be getting on a plane and going meeting companies in person. So during that skill bridge time, you have the opportunity to take advantage of a very clear calendar. So if you're interested in that, I want you to reach out to me, contact me or anyone really at Cameron Brooks, and uh, we'll give you more information that you can use to uh, to participate in that if your chain of command will allow it. Last thing, and then we'll open it up to some questions. There's already a question or two flowing in. Let's talk about certifications. I actually heard you talking about certifications on the phone with someone earlier today. It's funny because as I was listening to you, I, I feel like we should probably just do a podcast on this, or maybe this will serve as our podcast. I'll cut this and put it somewhere because, because I I am of the opinion with certifications. Like in the Army, we have the ORB, now the STP, or the BIR in the Marine Corps or the SURF in, in the Air Force, you have these documents where if you can load it up with enough certifications and awards and the jobs you've had, and it goes to some promotion board, um, that kind of necessitates or facilitates the promotion. And with the certification, I think we're just naturally ingrained to think if we get a certification, we'll disguise our resume to look like every other business oriented resume and maybe somehow we'll you know look better to a company because we look more like a business professional and uh sometimes that's hard to do because you know you throw a pmp on a resume that doesn't look like a business resume and it's you're disguising it but it's not necessarily helping as much weigh in well, on that think, yeah well so first of all this is what we're not saying that certification we're not saying you shouldn't get certification absolutely not you, it, it, what we're hearing a lot from people in our program, even people we're talking to, they're interested in our program. Hey, I'm going to get this certification. It's going to make me marketable for X. Right. This is this is actually the point. 
I'm going to get this certification that's going to make me marketable for X. The answer is it, it, and I'd have to see the certification, but a PMP or a Lean Six Sigma is not going to make you marketable for X. It's going to give you a tool. It's going to give you a tool and language so that when you go to business, you're going to be able to utilize that skill set to be to, in project management, in process improvement, and in problem solving. But the reality is, let's just take the PMP, which I'm an advocate for. But it just it's not going to actually get you an offer. You are, as a military officer, already know how to manage a project. I think those of you who have been through the PMP, you're learning terminology. You're learning some really good points how to do it. But you didn't go to the PMP and like, I don't know how to manage a project. You absolutely, if you're a top-performing JMO, you already know how to do that. And projects are going to be all over your resume. How do I know that? Because back when I was making the transition, there was this author called Tom Peters, and he had a phrase, I equal my projects. And there was no such thing, at least back then, I think of the PMP. We were still talking about project management, and we were giving answers relative to project management, but we didn't necessarily have certifications. And if the companies really wanted somebody, if that was really what was so important to them, so project manager, they wouldn't be coming to the JMO. Right. They'd be going to get somebody with master's in project management, master's in construction management. And they would, they would go to the college campus. But they want you as a junior military officer who has demonstrated accomplishments, experiences, managing projects. I have, again, I'm going to lean on the 25 years and you're going to get tired of me saying it, but I have been in thousands of hiring discussions. Thousands. And this is the honest Honest truth, never once have I ever heard a company say, I prefer this candidate over that candidate because he or she has a PMP. What do they talk about? Their ability to lead, their potential, their communication skills, their style, the actual experiences that they had and that they talked about. They will say, hey, I like the fact in addition that they have the PMP, but they won't make it a factor. So I'm not saying don't get it, go get it. But when it becomes like, hey, I'm getting this and it's going to give me a ticket or it's going to give me the qualification to be a project manager in this. I was talking to somebody earlier today who is a history major at in, in working at Division on some new innovation lab saying, I want to get into software project man product management. So I'm going to go um, get take a coding class for uh, three months before I get out. And I said, listen, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I get this. This is my own lens. But it's not going to make you more marketable. It's not going to make you marketable for software product management. You've not been doing that. You don't have a degree that relates to that. And, and the companies that hire software product managers are typically hiring from other companies, from within, or going to college campuses. And, and we've had product management at Cameron Brooks. And, and they might have been close to software managed software, but they've usually been with companies like in the energy industry or mining or equipment or something like that. But the certifications are great. They build tools to walk in and, and, and hit the ground running on day one. But I think there's a misperception. I get this certification. I get this. It makes me more marketable. If you have a limited amount of time, where should you put your emphasis? Reading, learning about yourself, 
understanding how to connect your background to business because the number one thing that's going to impact your ability to get the type of work and land offers that you want is your ability to interview. Your ability to get into an interview and be one of the top candidates on the interview schedule. In a, in a PMP on a resume or a Lean Six Sigma certification on a resume won't, won't necessarily do that. I'm not telling you not to get it. I'm saying the frame, look at the frame, it's a tool versus a ticket to, this, to the next event. It's a tool that you will use. Last time, I just want to land the plane on this. We had a and we we had a wonderful Air Force officer, great, hardworking young man. But this is just an example of it. A company wanted was hiring for their Six Sigma black belt position, and this person had a Six Sigma certification. I don't think it was a black belt; it was like green belt, and also had a data anal Google Data Analytics certification, which is really important for Six Sigma. But I had an economics degree, a BA in economics with a like a two seven GPA, and a really good operational background in the military, and the company just said did not have the right experiences for the role. They never said, "Well, it has the certifications." It didn't have the right experiences. That that's the underlying what I'm trying to make there. So nobody at Cameron Brooks is at all saying. You shouldn't get a certificate. We are saying two things. Number one, look at the certification as a tool in your toolkit. Utilize that. Second, um, if you have to prioritize your time, you got to squeeze for time. My recommendation is prioritize really good reading, learning how to interview well. Um, I think that's probably what probably kind of the key points on this on the certifications. All right. Well, let's um, let's open it up to some questions. I'm going to I'm going to throw these questions at you. Yeah, I can see him, Pete. I'm going to take Corian's oh. first. Let me give a little background here. Real too. quick. And, and as you're doing that, I also have people also sent some in. So at the end, we'll okay. also cover those. Great. Sounds good. So um, we have somebody that's coming to our January conference. One of the things that we ask for is your LES. Because one of the factors, just one of the factors, companies will ask, not every one of them will either, will ask, what is the person currently making? Other factors I will go into it, where is the job located? What's the salary band that this is for? How well do you interview? What are your credentials? Um, where have they hired other people into in this types of position? And I get Corian's question is, hey, I feel like if I'm getting this, I'm like they're going to try to just match that. That is not the purpose of the LES. There's a factor that companies will use. What are you currently making? And they ask us to help expect expedite the offer process. When companies come to the Cameron Brooks Conference, we spend a lot of time working with them to prepare their best salary range, because they're going to advertise a range when they come to the conference. And we're, we're talking, this is what you need to do to be competitive in this environment. This is where you're going to need to be. So we're spending a lot of time with that. And they're going to advertise that. I think 99% of the companies will advertise a range. Some will have, they might not have it figured out by the time they come to the conference. So they might put competitive or they just don't know yet. And we try to really make sure that's a very small amount, but give you a range. And then they're going to hit within that range. But the LES, what we ask for, 
is to expedite the offer process when they say, hey, we like this candidate. We're working on an offer. We're trying to put it together. What is their current comp? And sure, we could go to the leave and earn statements, but everybody's is a little bit different because where they live, where they enlisted before, they get some bonus pay, some other things that they might have along the way. But I get it. I've heard that question a lot. Hey, are we using it because they're trying to match that? That is not why we're trying to use that. Um, but you'll find um, almost all companies, if you were on your own, if they were working up an offer, they would call you and they'd say, what is your current compensation? And they're not trying to match it. They're just trying to use it as a data point. So, Corey, you got other questions on that? Feel free to email, call me, talk it through. But I get it's a common question to get common. Let me just go through the two others that were posted in here, Pete, and then we can go to the ones that were sent in ahead of time. Um, maybe you can take Isaiah's question. What should they expect when starting the SkillBridge program? Yeah, sure. So he's looking, the, the question is, what, what's the day-to-day -day training schedule like? And we've developed a comprehensive day-to-day -day training schedule. But the short answer to that is finish the reading program or continue the reading program, work in your study group, try to work with other people in, this, in the CSP or SkillBridge as well. So you're getting daily interactions with interview practice. Um, continuing to continue to finalize your resume. So it'll absolutely give you, give you time to do some resume finalization and then continue to hone the, the, your interview with, uh, with the different types of career fields you're going to interview. So really what it truly is, is a very focused time to um, inter interact with all four components of the development preparation program in order to be the most prepared candidate you can be at the conference. So I'm going to jump down to a question from Spencer to build off on the LES. So when they were looking at compensation, are they just looking at base pay? No, they're looking at the total number at the bottom of your LES at times, you know, if it's a end of month pay times 12. So it's your BAH, your BAS, all of that uh, that they calculate. Spencer also asked a question. Why do some companies advertise that they want top 25 MBAs if JMOs already offer so much potential? Um, I Well, first of all, companies are going to always have a diverse pool of people where they get talent from. And we have positions in marketing, brand management, corporate finance, um, internal consulting roles. Um, you know, consulting wasn't here this year. They're running a soft market. But in the last year, the year prior when we were doing consulting, where our JMOs were right along, right along the MBA programs for some for these positions. Brand management at Campbell Soup, brand management at Mars, brand management at Shark Ninja, brand management at Conagra, sales, uh, sales analysts and forecasting corporate finance roles at Conagra and Campbell's. We just talked about Johnson & Johnson, um, Kenview companies where, yeah, they're going to go. It, and, it's, and sometimes it's, it's a yin and yang. We want to balance it out. Sometimes we know with the JMO, we're getting great leadership. And potential. Sometimes with the MBA, we're getting really good analytics, but you know, we may not yet know on the on the leadership, but we need both of those. And, and the beauty of, of hiring in these organizations is diversity. Um, and then there are roles. Uh, oh, and DeVita, by the way, DeVita would be another one for general management where they go to top 25 MBA programs, as well as hire the Cameron Brooks candidate. But then there's roles where companies really don't want an MBA in the role. It's better to really bring in somebody straight from 
a leadership role from the military. But then likewise, uh, we've had positions where they want people or JMOs that have, have to have the MBA because that's they will only take MBAs into that role. So I think companies have a variety of different ways of bringing people in to an organization. So you'll, you'll hear there's some roles where they'll take both. Some companies, this role, they really need to have that. And some losing that. And so I think this goes to the next question on Tyler Starkey. And Tyler, I don't know what your, I'd have to look up what your master's is. But yes, master's degrees, if you have a master's, if it's relevant to business, is going to do two things. Number one, it probably will open up additional interview doors for you. So it's not necessarily, it, it, it's not super like the certifications. And I'm going to come back something on the certification. So um, yeah, if you have an MBA or a master's in management or master's in project management or master's in engineering management or something related to business, that'll probably open up doors for you. And yes, if you do get an MBA or a master's degree, that is a factor that's typically used in compensation. Certifications are not. And, and there is, yes, there have been times when company, a candidate might be lighter on project management or Six Sigma. And the company has said, hey, if they're lighter on it, but they have a certificate, we'll be willing to interview them for it. It's just not going to be what gets you on the top of the interview schedule. It may get you on the schedule, but it wouldn't get you on the top of the interview schedule. Same with a master's degree. A master's degree may get you on the interview schedule, but companies aren't going to say, well, he interviewed on a five and a 10 scale, but has an MBA. I really like him. This person didn't have the MBA, but wow, crushed it. They're going to go after the wow, crushed it every time. Every time. Um, so I think I've answered, Pete, all the yeah. questions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think we've answered all the questions that I'll came I'll throw up. a couple at you. Are there ma any major industries where you foresee massive change in the near future? That would be trying to predict the economy again. And um, I'm not good at that. I don't think anybody's good. But I can say what has massively changed. Banks. In consulting firms massively changed from 2022 to 2023. I'm sure there's a few that are out there still doing some hiring, but in general, when interest rates, I don't know what the record is, but it, we set the record for the highest rate increases in interest rates. And I don't know what the numbers are, but the cost of borrowing money doesn't matter who you are, a home, a home trying to buy a home, or you're trying to do a business deal and acquire another company and, and, and you're trying to raise capital, the cost of being able to do that because interest rates has gone through the roof, that softened on banks. I mean, we had banks fail in March, in early April. Now they've all stabilized. So we saw softening in the banking industry, financial services and banking. There was also what they call the tech session, recession tech session that started in January, February. They're probably out of it now, but there was a softening in tech. So nothing bad. They just soften, right? There's probably little pockets of here and there, but they're soft. Those two industries are soft. And I think it's going to take a little while for them to come back. That did impact consulting. Because what does consulting do a lot of work with? Banks and technology firms. I mean, if I read it right, but Deloitte... I think Deloitte was in there. Um, Accenture, uh, EY, somebody else, KPMG, all had some version of layoffs in 2023. They overhired in 2020, 
2021 and 2022. And one of the things I get to do, um, being an alum of Notre Dame, I'm on this like career coaching, they can reach out. I get a lot of emails from people graduating undergrad and the MBA programs and masters in finance where offers were rescinded. We didn't have any of that this year. Uh, offers were rescinded or delayed start dates. We didn't have that from the consulting industry. So I'd say in the banking industry. So those are the three that we saw changed. I don't know. I can't predict who's going to change and who knows. Maybe with the interest rates we expect to come down, we'll see some of the lift and maybe those ones will change and come back a little bit during the year if the interest rates come down. Two more questions. One is about a sales certificate. So somebody sent in a question asking, is there a sales certificate that would help this person be more marketable or competitive in a sales interview? I don't think if there's one career field where I definitely think certificates probably mean a little bit less to them is sales. When a recruiter looks at an interview at a candidate across from sales, what they envision is, can I put you into a territory? Number one, will my customers like you? Number two, when I put you in my territory, do I have to worry about you? Are you going to get out of bed in the morning and are you going to work your territory, have obstacles thrown in front of you and overcome those obstacles? Second, can you plan? Can you prepare? Be organized and, and to be able to get work done. And are you going to be able to compete and win business? That's There's no certificate that would do that. And I've said, Joel, press me on that. I still think any sales a project. I don't, um, so you could get a project management certificate because I think sale, all work is project management if you really wanted one, but sales, those companies, hungry. I would say there's, um, they look for people who are huggable hunters. So I think if, you, if there was a certificate to become a huggable hunter, that's the one I'm going to get. What do I mean by that? Huggable, likable, fun to be around, enjoyable. Customers want to be see, see you. Hunter, go out and get new business. That's who they're looking for. Last question. Says Station Oconus, is there a virtual option for SkillBridge or do you see greater results? Candidates move closer to Camera Brooks. Our, our SkillBridge, Stephen, is a virtual SkillBridge. So you can do that from anywhere in the world. I think we actually identified it with SkillBridge as a hybrid. Because we will, when we come to your area, we do want to see you. So there will be in-person components. That's not a requirement, though. And we could do a lot with video type of work, too. We have had people, speaking of, there is something, and somebody might know about it. There is something, it might be just Army, where you get like a small fee or something, like a you might get money to do something. And we've had people take that and buy a plane ticket and come see us in Fredericksburg, in our offices as well. So you couldn't do that if you're in Asia, of course, but um, you could do that too. And I don't know all the details on that. Okay, that's all the questions, Joel. Thanks for the insight tonight. Do appreciate that. Thanks for the wrap yeah. up on 2023. I, I wanna just leave everybody with this too. One, or maybe not just one thing, many things. Have a wonderful holiday season. Enjoy your time with your family. Talk to a lot of people the last few days, going skiing and hanging out with your spouse's friend, family, or hanging out with your family. Just really enjoy the time. I'm sure you've earned it for this as busy as our military is. Um, second, thank you uh, for being here and trusting us and listening. Um, it's a the holidays are a wonderful time to reconnect with family um, and talk about with goals and things like that and. 
we'll be here in, in 2024 to come back to talk about your goals as well. Um, I do think that for some of you, when you go home, I do, especially if you've been wrestling with location and things like that, this is probably that time of year where I hear more candidates come, come, you know, the first two weeks of January, come back and be like, I got to go back home. I got to go back home. That's a real emotional draw. I get that. I get that. And, and I was talking to somebody today. I totally understand it too, because there's so much uncertainty if you're making a transition in 2024. There's so much uncertainty. What do I mean by that? You don't know what company you're going to go to. You don't know. You don't know what job it's going to be. You don't know what salary it's going to be. But so what's one thing you could grab onto? Where can I live? I can make that certain. I can make that certain. And the family's going to draw on that and encourage you to do that. And good, because they care about you. They love you. I would come back to thinking about what do you want? What's your goal for your transition? What's your priority? What's your priority? If it's to, to have that extraordinary career, have location preferences and feel that natural draw to be in a certain location. And remember what ultimately makes a great, establishing great foundation of career. Not just from Cameron Brooks, but other leaders. Great fit with the ability, great fit with your interest, and great fit with the people. Location will come. Location will come. And um, just keep that in mind. All right, you all. Have a great night. Thanks for letting me let me talk <laughs> for about 50 minutes of this 53-minute presentation. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening to another edition of the Camera Rooks podcast. I hope this podcast brought value to you. We always want to try to do a year-end episode where we talk a little bit about what we're seeing, not only in the market, but what we're talking to military officers about, and also talk a little bit about the future. So hopefully that one was helpful and valuable to you. Stay tuned for the next episode. On the next one, Joel's going to interview uh, camera books alumnus Liam Burns. Liam came through this program in 1991. So I want you to really uh, hold out for that one and, and definitely download that one. That's going to be one where you hear from someone who has led a fulfilling career in corporate America, again, trans transitioning all the way back in 1991. So stay tuned for that one. Of course, if you want to know more about Cameron Brooks, who we are, what we do, go straight to our website, Cameron-Brooks.com. You can always hit me with an email directly at Pete at Cameron-Brooks.com. Until the next one, make it a great day.